Take your copy of God's Word, if you have it, and turn to Acts chapter number 3. We're taking a little journey through the book of Acts. We said we might not hit every single verse, but a survey. And as you start a brand new church plant, a new thing, want to learn from the best. And you learn from the best when you go to the Word of God. It's God's Word for God's people. You learn from the best when you go to the very first church plant in all of human history, the first Christian church plants. We want to learn from them, and because of their faithfulness and their obedience, we meet here today. And again, I'm drinking from my Transformation Church cup that Miss Pam made for me, and I told her I would let you know about that. She makes those. If you'd be interested in getting one, it's our first piece of church swag, if you will. We hope to have some more church swag with T-shirts and other stuff as, we have, as we're able to do that. But it's just one baby step at a time, one more way to get the word out. If you're out in the community, you're drinking out of that cup and somebody says, what is Transformation Church? Or what is that strange looking symbol right there with the triangles? That is a, an actual, if you haven't heard this before, an actual alchemy symbol of transformation is what that means. And we believe it's the three points of the triangle point to the Trinity. And we see that we're small people being transformed into the image of Christ. And also to me, it's a picture, a reminder that we are in the foothills of the North Georgia mountains. So that one little symbol says a lot and gives you an opportunity to share with other people. We said last week, with an average, right now in the state of Georgia, with an average of one Georgia Baptist church closing every week in 2022. Chew on that for a minute. One Georgia Baptist church in the state of Georgia closing every week so far in 2022. Why is that? And we talked a little bit about that last week, and perhaps for some that's not necessarily a bad thing. If they don't believe the Bible and not preaching the Bible, they might as well close up shop and go home and do something else. But with churches all over the place, churches closing, why do we exist? Why is Transformation Church here? We're not coming together to be a place where people come and say, well, I'm there because I like the music. I'm there because I like the preaching. I'm there because they got a great band. I'm there because they got a great children's program. We're all brand new. So we're here as pioneers, as not settlers, pioneers to come in and help blaze a trail for something that we believe is going to long outlive us. That if the Lord Jesus doesn't come back, that my grandson's grandson may one day be a part of Transformation Church because of the faithfulness and the sacrificial impact of you people right here. We want to impact this community with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not trying to copy any other church. We're not trying to be any other church. We keep saying every week, if every church in Hall County was slapped full to capacity today, there would still be tens of thousands of lost people out there. And it's been a struggle for me, just to be honest with you. I've been asked for Probably 30 years will you plant a church? And my answer has always been, no, I'm not doing that. When I was first asked in Lynchburg, Virginia, I said, when you plant a church in the same town, you potentially hurt the church you came from. And so I was always close-minded to that. But in talking to some other church planters and some other church people, we're not trying to pull from any other church. We're trying to be something different and unique to reach the lost community. But if we're going to reach the lost community and start worshiping in that gymnasium, it's going to take a larger group of Christians who are committed. So on my Facebook Live I was doing this morning, some of you were a part of that, we're asking committed believers who have a missionary heart and a missionary mindset to pray about giving us one year, to pray about leaving their church for one year to come and join us and help lay the foundation for what God's going to do for generations to come if the Lord doesn't come back. And by the way, I believe He could, but I don't know when that is. So we keep playing, praying and planning and working as if He's not coming back soon, but we pray that He will come back soon. But in the meantime, I want to be found faithful. So we want to be a church where anybody from anywhere and any background 
around can be transformed by the truth of Jesus Christ because the power is in the Word of God. The power is not in a preacher or a musician or a church family. The power is in the Word of God. So why do we exist? I'm saying a lot of the same stuff over and over because we're laying the vision. We're laying the foundation. If someone asks you, why are you a part of Transformation Church? What is different about that church? We exist to fulfill the Great Commission, which is what? Matthew 28, to go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach Him to observe all the things He commanded us in the Word of God, and also to, to obey the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. God strategically, as we prayed about this, strategically we said, God, we want to be in the most neglected part of Hall County. And East Hall is the most neglected part of Hall County. We could tell you more about that, but you just check me out and see if what I'm telling you is the truth about that. We believe that we are. There are great churches all over the place, and there are some churches here, but we want to work together. It's going to take sacrifice for a church plant to leave established churches that have big children's ministries and youth ministries and all of these things. It's a sacrifice to step away from that, to come and say, hey, I'm going to roll up my sleeves, which I had to do. I got hot here. Roll up our sleeves and get busy and say, what's my spiritual gift and how am I going to use this in a church plant? So if we're going to be prepared for September the 11th and we're trusting God for 400 people, we got to all sacrifice and work together to reach those goals. And listen, I want you to know that the desire of my heart and Pastor Matt's heart is to lead by example. We, we, we want to model. that We're not going to ask you to do anything we're not doing. You, you, we stepped away from an income. We, um, you know, I've struggled with my tithe, you know, because I've always been able to tithe, and I still tithe. I believe in tithing. It's a biblical principle. But my tithe just dropped about 70%, and that bothers me that it does. Well, it's because the income went away. God's not interested in equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. So we stepped away from that. We're investing sweat equity. Listen, I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back. What I'm, I'm just telling you, we're not asking you to do anything that we are not willing to do. Miss Anita has taken on the role to be our financial secretary and our treasurer. No salary there. She's just doing that out of the goodness of her heart because she is a woman with the heart for detail. I knew she has an eye for detail. She pays attention. She researches. She's not getting paid to do that. She sacrificing her time because we believe God wants to do something far bigger than us in the East Hall community. So we're not trying to pat ourselves on the back. When my clock will go off tomorrow morning at 3.30 in the morning to roll out of bed and go to Walmart and stand up and sit down and squat and pick up boxes and stack cookies and crackers, why am I doing that at my age? Because I believe it's an investment in God doing something tremendously huge in this community, this neglected part of this community. So we're asking all of us to sacrifice together. You, it is out of my comfort zone to ask for much of anything. I'm a man. I like to ask for help. I like to read instructions. But I've struggled with that. You know, I had another church planter. In fact, it was Pastor Blue who were going to go help on Easter Sunday. He said, if you don't quit that Nabisco job and you don't start focusing full time on raising funds, your church plant's not going to make it. Well, the Lord hadn't led me to do that. That was his opinion. I, I still think I need to get up and go to work. But asking people for stuff is out of my comfort zone. I can preach on stewardship and I can preach on tithing because it's biblical and I believe in it. But he said, Mike, you're not asking for yourself. You're asking to reach souls in a largely unreached part of Hall County. So y'all pray for, I'm doing that little by little. Two friends of mine, if you're on our group me, if you're not on our group me communication, there's our church's primary way that we communicate throughout the week. You can get Pastor Matt your information and be added to group me. 
Two friends of mine that do not live in this community, one in South Georgia, one north of here, two different friends, and they're listening, so I want to be careful not to give it away. One's been listening to us for, for several years now. They're not rich people. They're not doctors. They're not lawyers. They're not people of influence. One is a young mom with two little kids. Another one is a young dad with three children. Between two people this last week, our launch goal, when I speak of our launch goal, I'm not talking about paying expenses. We want to pay rent to use the building. I'm talking about what's it going to take for September the 11th. Portable church that has come in and done the study and told us you need stage, you need lights, you need sound, you need coffee bar, you need signage, you need children's church. There'll be a big sign here that says Transformation Kids and a giant TV for children. This will be the children's church room. In order to raise that money, we've got to put the word out and ask people to pray. These two people alone gave us last week $4,300. And it's like the Lord just knew I needed that reminder. I don't like to ask. I don't want to ask. But two people that are not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, made sh- they'll probably never come here. They're not going to come to this church. They don't live in this area. But they have prayed and believed God is doing something here. So we cannot outgive God. We're investing in something bigger than ourselves. So I'm asking you to be a part of that. I'm asking you to pray about who you can ask to invest with us here. Just normal people who say, I believe that God's going to. It's the same principle that we have as Southern Baptists when we give to the cooperative program. When we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and those kind of things. I'll never go to some of these countries but my tithes and offerings go to help pay. It's the same principle as a church plant. They're investing in something they may never get to see and never be a part of. A friend of mine who's a student pastor in Peach County, Georgia, you know where that is. Miss Autumn, Peach County's down from your area. You live in Peach County, actually, don't you? Go to church in Warner Robins. A youth pastor called me and said, what's going on? He asked if I'd go to lunch with him. They were going to hell him, he and his wife, and I was sick as a dog. I said, you don't want to be around me. I don't have medicine yet. He said, what's God doing? And I told him, and he said, Mike, I want to bring my youth group up one, day, one Saturday this summer, and I want to help you all do a community outreach. Listen, if we're going to host youth groups through community outreach, there's got to be more of us to host them. He said, I want to come help you all on a Saturday. I want to give my students a picture of what God can do. And by the way, his wife is from South America. If she is from South America, you know what that means? She is bilingual. Our community is predominantly Hispanic. If we do a community outreach, he said, my wife will interpret and help reach the community. These are people that don't live here, but they believe in what God's doing. And if people away from here are willing to sacrifice and be a part of it, what about us who are right here? What do we need to do to be a part of it? People, we need people who are spiritually mature enough to come alongside of us and help prepare. I thank God for what Pastor Matt's doing with the technology that we have. But wouldn't it be great? We've got a brand new keyboard. We need somebody to play that keyboard. Drummer, guitar, we need God to raise up a band. We're going to have a stage. We're going to need some heavy backs to put together a stage every Sunday morning. It'll be on that 24-foot trailer that we're buying. It'll be rolled out. It'll be marked, and we'll be trained in how to do it. We need a bunch of folks to do that. Right now, he's running the sound. When there's a band, he can't run the sound. We need God to send us sound technicians and people like that. We need God to send us Bible study leaders so that we're able to launch life groups and probably beginning in-home Bible studies because we don't really have... We don't have enough people right now. We could offer Sunday school on Sunday morning, but we need all hands on deck on Sunday morning. So probably when God raises up some Bible study leaders, that will start in homes, much like it did in the first century church. So I take away preaching time every week, preaching a little bit long, to kind of let you know some of the behind-the-scenes stuff.
A lady recently asked me, she's not here, she said, you know, we don't know all this stuff that's going on. Can you tell us some of what's going on behind the scenes? So that's just a little bit of it right there. It's all about reaching our community for Jesus. So Acts chapter 3, the very first New Testament church plant. I want us to think this morning, how to impact our community for Christ. How to impact our community for Christ. Again, we're not here to be a holy huddle. We're not here to have our church needs met and check off all the boxes of what I'm looking for as a consumer. No, we're here to serve God by serving others and we desire to impact East Hall County with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how do you impact a community? One heart, one soul at a time. We'll look this morning at Peter and John, who impacted one man, and that one man had a ripple effect on the community. And we'll see next week on the large gathering of people that took place because of their encounter with this one man. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. If you're physically able, let's stand and give honor to the reading of God's Word. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. He couldn't walk. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Lord Jesus, we don't meet in a beautiful temple this morning, but we meet in an incredible community center. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers as we prayer walk this property, as we ask you to let us plant Transformation Church right here on this property. God, you heard and you answered our prayers against all odds when we were told we couldn't do this. So God, we thank you for what you're doing already. Thank you, Lord, that every single week we've seen new faces, people who are praying about what you would have them to do. Holy Spirit of God, nobody needs to hear from Mike today, but we all need to hear from you. I pray that you would expand our vision, expand our influence. Give us a vision of what you can do if we yield ourselves to you and operate in the power of your Holy Spirit to impact not only Northeast Georgia, but to impact the nations from right here at the East Hall Community Center. So speak to our hearts and give us a desire to honor and obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. Oftentimes in Scripture, when you see somebody who was crippled or somebody who was lame, it's a a word picture also of our spiritual helplessness. That man had no hope and he had no help. Later on in chapter 4, we see the man was probably 40 years old at this time. So for 40 years, they've been bringing him and laying him there at the gate of the temple while these religious people came by three times a day. Devout Jews and and godly Gentiles went to the temple to pray three different times a day. This was the 3 o'clock time of prayer. He'd been sitting in front of that church, in front of that temple all those years. You know what the Lord said? Just coming to church doesn't do anything. Now we're obeying the scripture, Hebrews 10, 25. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But if all we ever do is just come and sit here, sit in front of a church or just come to church, that's not going to make a huge difference. He sat there forever and forever. And by the way, beautiful churches don't save people. And we talked this week, it does look like we're in a hospital room with wires and a sterile wall and all of that stuff. Not a lot of, to offer people aesthetically, not quite yet. But beautiful buildings do not save people. Have you all ever traveled to Europe and been to some of those beautiful cathedrals? They're museums. That's all, they're museums. When those giant cathedrals in most of Europe were built, do you know when they were built? During the Dark Ages and the Inquisition. 
not necessarily times of fervent evangelism and soul winning. So beautiful buildings don't save people. Now we believe one of our core values is excellence. We're going to strive for excellence. We're doing the best we have right now with the limited resources we have. We believe God deserves our best, but we want to be wasteful because a beautiful building is not necessarily what saves people. But a large amount of religious people went by this dude every day, perhaps for almost 40 years because he was 40 years old. And they just passed him by. We live in 2022 <clears throat> when we're taxed like crazy. Everything you do, they want to tax you on that. And so the government thinks it's their job to take care of people. And we know biblically it's the job of the family, number one, to take care of each other. And then number two, the church to take care of widows and orphans and people who can't take care of themselves. So it's easy for us to get hard-hearted and skeptical. At least it is for me. I don't want to speak for you, but for me. Because I... One of my weaknesses, I can be gullible. I just want to see the best in people. I just want to believe people till the facts prove otherwise, and it gets me in trouble a lot of times. And so I've been burned with that. Where I met my wife, the church, we were in downtown Athens at the time, Prince Avenue Baptist. They've moved since then. We're downtown. So we have what we call townies in Athens, at least we did back in the 80s, who were just, you know, a lot of street people and beggars just asking for a handout. And our church taught me then, I'm still a relatively young Christian, do not give people money. Don't give them money. They're liable just to go buy cigarettes or liquor or something else. We offer to help them, give them food or something else. When I served at Second Baptist, one of Robbins, a very, one of the largest churches in middle Georgia, people ask for help all the time. And our church administrator, uh, Brother Gary Morton, who's still there, by the way, if somebody came in asking for help, he said, we'll be glad to help you. Will you come help us vacuum the gym or sweep up in the Family Life Center? Can I tell you that probably 95% of the time they left, they weren't willing to work. But many times they did. We even got a few employees out of that. They were such good workers, we hired them. The Bible says if a man don't work, neither let him eat. So it's easy to be hard-hearted, but this man was crippled. He couldn't do a lot. And so people just walked past him and ignored him. And you know, cash can actually hurt people. Uh, what sometime... I don't remember, was it last fall we did a, a homeless outreach in the community and I struck up a conversation with the dude, I forget his name, a nice guy, been living in the woods over there for years. And I thought, wow, doing this for years. And he had a bulldog's cap. Y'all know I'm bulldog to the bone. You know how sick we have been that I sold my tickets on StubHub to see Georgia play Florida in baseball. I had to be sick to lose those tickets. We couldn't go sit up there in that pollen. And so the dude's like, you know, I don't have a lot. I, I want to sell this cap. And I'm thinking, you don't give a man cash, but I really like him. And it's a bulldog cap. I could help him. He said, I really need to buy some cigarettes. Nah, that's just the Holy Spirit said, nope, I'm not helping him to give him money to go put a cancer stick in his mouth and hurt him. We fed them. We gave them food. So you got to be discerning right there. But people had passed this guy every single day. What are some lessons we can learn? i got to get to the text. Number one, if we're going to impact this community, number one, we must go cooperatively. We must go cooperatively. We saw in verses 1 and 2 that Peter and John went together. I don't know where the accountability partners were they prayer partners? Well, they were both disciples called by Jesus. We said last week there should be no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. And even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. We go collectively. If we are going to impact East Hall community in Northeast Georgia, we will do so collectively. There is accountability. There's spiritual growth when we do things cooperatively and we work together. I wear this watch that I know sometimes you think as a preacher I'm not paying attention to it, and I do need to pay better attention. I need to buy a clock and put it on that back wall. But you know one of the reasons my family got me this was, you know, my family has heart issues and it has some tests on there, but it holds me accountable. I'm online accountability partners with some guys 
where I want to close those circles every day. Who knows what I'm talking about on the Apple Watch? They're circles for exercise. We've got to close them circles every day, 600 maximum points. I know that those guys are watching me, and, I'm com- and listen, I'm one of the oldest dudes in the group, but I don't like to lose, and very few weeks do I lose. Accountability with that. Well, that's just spiritual, that's just physical exercise. And the Bible says bodily exercise does good, but spiritual exercise, godly growth, we should work together on that. Accountability in prayer partners next Sunday afternoon at 6 o'clock. We're going to prayer walk and pray over this property once again. We're going to meet out here trusting for pretty weather like this. Prayer, nothing of eternal significance will ever be accomplished apart from prayer. Peter and John were going cooperatively to prayer time. It's certainly got to be true of our little church plant. We've got to pray. We're asking God to do something that is way bigger than us. We're going to do that cooperatively. We're going to do that collectively. We're going to do that sacrificially if we're going to launch. And I told you last week how much I love the acrostic for team, T-E-A-M. Together, everyone accomplishes more. I can't do this. Me and Pastor Matt can't do this. Me, Pastor Matt, and Anita can't do this. The rest of our leadership team, Miss Katrina Blake, we can't do this. It's all of us cooperatively, collectively saying we serve a big God. You know, I went to seminary at Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary in Lynchburg, Virginia. And Jerry Falwell Sr., when he was alive, always talked about his bag, B-H-A-G. He called it his big, hairy, audacious goal. He planted that little bitty Thomas Road Baptist Church in what was known as the Donald Duck Bottling Company. I'm not making this up. Donald Duck Bottling Company, where they bottle soft drinks in Virginia. That's where he planted that church. And they grew into the larger Thomas Road Baptist Church. And there was a mountain, and he called it Liberty Mountain. Some of you may remember this. He took Robbie Heiner, the singer. They went out there and sang the song, I Want This Mountain. And they begged God to give them that mountain. Dr. Falwell said, that's my bag. It's my big, hairy, audacious goal to plant the world's largest evangelical Christian university. He said, I want to be to evangelical Christians what Notre Dame is to Catholicism. And that's happened. And they've been to bowl games and they've done stuff. He wanted the whole mountain, not just the university. So now there's a a retirement home. That's part of his big, hairy, audacious goal. We're asking God to do something big here that is bigger than us. So we're going to have to do that cooperatively. One of the local pastors in our community that I love so much is Pastor Eric Stewart. Some of you may know Pastor Eric. He's at Liberty Baptist Church not far from here in Lula. And Pastor Eric models this, doing community church stuff together. He's very big on community. He invited me to be a part of a Facebook group for churches in the Lula area. We're still kind of the Lula area so we can pray for one another and encourage each other because it's bigger than just us. It's bigger than just Transformation Church and Liberty Baptist Church, but together everyone accomplishes more. I want God to send revival to Liberty. I want God to send revival to Christ Place. I want God to send revival to every Bible-believing church because a rising tide raises all boats. That means there's more fired-up Christians the community reaching people and praying so when we go out to minister, we can reach people with the gospel. We're not in competition with anybody. We're on the same team. We're going to do this collectively. Uh, Number two, write this down. We must show compassion intentionally. We must show compassion intentionally. Verse three, when he, the beggar, saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. Look at us. Look at me. Pastor Gary Morton used to say, look at me. Look right here, people. Look at me. He said that to us all the time. They said, look at me. And you know how that convicted me when I was studying this? Because many times I'm in a hurry. And as somebody that's asked before and they're not willing to work, and I don't want to make eye contact with them. 
If I just don't look at them, they don't know I'm there. I'm the only one that's like that sometimes. I'm just confessing my sin to you. But no, they said, look at us. I think they said, look at us because they wanted him to see the love and compassion of Christ in their eyes. They wanted him to see that we care more about just giving you some money. So all these years of going to temple in prayer, I wonder how many times Peter and John had passed him and now Jesus had called them out to be disciples. And so they stopped and showed compassion intentionally. People will never know how much we know until they know how much we care. We can be the greatest church. You can be the greatest Bible study leader. You can have all this knowledge, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So we want to make eye contact with people. We want to look at them the way that they did and show the compassion to those we come in contact with. And when collectively we do that, it'll make a difference. The third thing is write this down. We must share boldly. We must share boldly. Verse 5, the lame man looked at him like you asked him, eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. (laughs) The beggar obviously expected to get something from them. He's looking for money, but he's getting way more than money. He asked for what he thought he needed, but they gave him what he really needed. And they boldly spoke the name of Jesus to him. We have got to be bold. I think we just sang it in one of the songs about speaking the name of Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus. We stand on the name of Jesus. We stand on the authority in the name of Jesus. Sometimes people are okay to talk to you about God and about church and about Christianity, but you start speaking the name of Jesus. We just sang it. The demons have to run and flee. Demons cannot stand in the power and presence of the name of Jesus. They boldly spoke the name of Jesus to this man. And if we don't boldly speak the name of Jesus over our community, this church plant will not make it, and we don't deserve to make it. If we're talking about ourselves or Transformation Church, and we're not speaking the name of Jesus, we don't deserve to have a successful church plant. We'll be in those statistics of about half of church plants that don't make it. And so then number four, we must give generously. We must give generously. Well, you said, what are you talking about? They didn't have any money. Look at verse 6. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. The beggar asked for money, but he gave him something much more valuable. He asked for what he wanted, but Peter gave him what he needed. The most generous gift that I can give anybody is to tell them about Jesus. The most generous gift I can give anybody is to point them to Christ. I told you earlier how it's bothered me when I go online to do my tithe. I'm just being real and transparent. It bothers me that my tithe is not what it used to be. And it's like, Mike, what have you preached to people all these years? It's not equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice. That's the beauty of the tithe. When we all do, the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's and the tithe is holy unto the Lord. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, says the Lord. And he says, I'll pour out so many blessings, you won't have room enough to contain it. It bothers me that my tithe isn't, isn't as big, but I'm getting to be out in the community and do a secular job and come across lost people every day. I get to just plant little seeds of the gospel every day. I get to prove the critics wrong who want to make up all the reasons that we're doing this, you know, for money and all this stuff. I get to prove them wrong when we obey the Lord. Listen, as thrilled as I am about those two large gifts I told you from friends, $4,300, boy, that blessed my soul when I was told that that was given online. But you know what brought tears to my eyes this week? It's when I heard about college students giving their tithe of 
$10 or less. That's what brought tears to my eyes. Thank God for the large gifts, but it's the simple obedience of all of us. They gave generously. They didn't have money, but they did know Jesus. They knew how to point somebody to Jesus. The most generous thing you and I can ever do. It's not about money. It's about souls. It takes money to pay rent and do stuff, but more than anything, it's about souls. If we'll all come together collectively and we'll give generously our time, our talent, and our treasure, you may say, well, Pastor, I might like you. I don't have a very large tithe. Well, you got some talents that the Lord has given you. Maybe you can run sound. Maybe you can play a keyboard. Maybe you can play a bass. Maybe you can teach a Bible study class. Maybe you can relieve our wives in children's church someday. We all have something we can give. If we're going to impact this community, we've got to give generously. We're all going to have to do that. And then number five, we must serve humbly. We must serve humbly. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Now, I already hit on serving in my previous point a little bit about giving. He just didn't talk to that beggar. A beggar who can't get up, he can't take himself to the bathroom. Wasn't no indoor plumbing. He couldn't give himself up. He was probably nasty, okay? They had deodorant back then. He reached out and he touched the man. There's just something about appropriate physical touch. He touched the man. He showed compassion to him. And he didn't give him a handout. He gave him a hand up. What our community needs is not a handout. Our community needs a hand up more than anything else. He touched him and he did that. So not only must we speak boldly the name of Jesus into our community, we've got to extend practical help. And I want you to be thinking, we're small right now. There's not a lot of big stuff we can do, but be thinking practically. God called us to East Hall the most neglected part of this community, heavily Hispanic. What are some things that God can let us do to touch our community? How about ESL classes, English as a second language classes? I called about another job last week that would be less demanding on me, a corporate chaplain. He said, are you bilingual? I said, I mix up Spanish and Brazilian Portuguese and English. I mix all those up together. Couldn't get the job. There are children in our community, Hispanic, who learn English in school, but their parents don't. We know somebody at another church who would, if we asked her to come and teach ESL classes here, she would need our help to do that. That's something we can do to touch our community. Picnics, outreaches, vacation Bible school. i got a church who's talking about coming up this summer and helping us do vacation Bible school. Again, if we're going to host a church, there's got to be enough of us to come and work with them. How about after-school tutoring? We have some re retirees who could come and sit down and help a child with their homework whose mom and daddy work all the time. My daughter-in-law can tell you she teaches at Tadmore. It's an East Hall school, a heavily impoverished school. These kids' parents are working all the time. They don't necessarily have the time to sit and help them do their homework. What if we did that? Practical ways to show the love of Jesus. What about resume help? We could offer, you know, just a, a class here on a, on a weeknight or afternoon. How do you put together a resume? We're not giving people a hand out. We're giving people a hand up. We've talked over and over about helping in the concessions of East Hall Sports. We could go on and on and on. The point of all of these is not just to do good works. We want to do good works. But Jesus said, let your light so shine before men, I think Matthew 5, so that they'll see your good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. All of these are just tools and vehicles to point people to the life-transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we serve our community humbly, when we work cooperatively, when we're sacrificial, when we give. Number six, the end result is we're going to celebrate joyfully. Write that down. We must celebrate joyfully. Look at verse number eight. He jumped up stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking around and heard him praising God. 
When they realized he was the lame beggar they'd seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. We saw last week in the kind of church God blesses, when God does supernatural big things, there'll be a sense of awe. And people will talk about it. And people will talk about it. And then the crowds are going to come running. They're going to come running to see what God is doing. We're going to see that next week. What happens after this miracle here when they met and they got to preach again. As we love this community, as we give them hand up and not necessarily hand out, as we practically show them the love of Jesus, then this church will grow. They might get saved and go to liberty. Praise God, they're going to a Bible-believing church. They might get saved and go to Lakewood. Praise God, they'll get the gospel at Lakewood. Some of them are going to get saved and come here. Some of them will get saved and eventually lead ministries in Transformation Church because we have been willing to invest and to disciple them. The Holy Spirit so worked in this beggar's heart that God is going to begin to do huge and amazing things. It'll lead to the salvation of many, many souls. Just simple, ordinary folks. Just say, hey, y'all come follow me. They stopped what they were doing. They followed him. They're going to temple. They got their spiritual radar on. They reached out. They showed the men compassion. They worked cooperatively. They showed compassion. They gave generously. They served humbly. And God acted in the life of a simple beggar. Who knows the person that you are going to reach that will have a gigantic impact on the, on the world for Jesus? Somebody had to lead somebody to Jesus who led somebody to Jesus who led Billy Graham to Jesus. There's a spiritual family tree there. Uh, quite frankly, because of God's goodness, the influence that God has given me is way more than I'm ever going to see individually. Missionaries, pastors of churches much larger than I'll ever pastor were students of mine, teenagers of mine. You don't know who God's going to use you to reach for the kingdom because it's not about us, it's about growing the kingdom. So do we care about the community around us? Do we really care that 86% of people in the state of Georgia are not in church anywhere today? I'm guessing that's probably a good bit higher in the East Hall community here. Great churches all over the place, but not necessarily East Hall. Now, we say a church alive is worth the drive, so I appreciate those of you who drive to get here. But let's be real. As gas, if the price of gas keeps going up, that could impact us. God's called us primarily to East Hall. This is primarily the community that we want to reach, but we need believers from all over to come. Do we care about that? Because if they're not even going to church, they're probably going to hell. Now, we know we already said going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to a beautiful building doesn't make you a Christian. But if there's no desire to go, if there's no desire to cooperate together as the body of Christ and obey Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, they probably don't know him. They probably don't know the Lord. So we got to realize there are lost people all around us. How much of our time? How much of my time? How much of my talent? How much of my treasure am I willing to invest to impact this community with the gospel? And if I don't know him, I wouldn't give two hoots. If I didn't know the Lord, I'd go out and just get a job with annuity and insurance and all that stuff and just sit and coast until, until, my, until my heart took its final beat. But because of Jesus, in, without Jesus, I could care less. But because Jesus is in me, I have to care. I have to show the compassion that was shown to me. People cared about me enough to show me the gospel and eventually share the gospel and to disciple me. i got to pass that on to other people. You've got to pass that on to other people. It's why we are here. But if you don't know him, if you have no desire, you better check your heart. Do you have a personal relationship with him? The Bible says you can know that you have eternal life. And then if I know him, how much am I willing to sacrifice? 
And we've not asked anybody to unite in membership yet. We're getting there. We're building up. We're laying the vision. We're laying the groundwork. We'll have a constitution service. Eventually, give people the time to say, I want to be a charter member of Transformation Church. But in the meantime, hope you're praying. Do I need to be part of that? Is God calling me to be a part of that initial charter member of this church? And if so, how am I going to serve the Lord there? It's not about having my needs met. Our needs are met. Listen, I, I have felt this week like I got hit by a truck, but I was so excited about coming to church that I couldn't wait to get here. Thank God for medicine and doctors so that I could get here. I have my needs met because I get to fellowship with y'all. I get to see who knew God's going to send through those doors every week. I get to see what God's going to do in, in the life of this community every single week. When you love Jesus, you want to pass that on. What's he asking you to do? As you reach out and minister to others, then your needs will be met and he will be glorified. Pray with me, church. So we sang earlier about the fact that, you know, one day the sky's going to unfold and prepare the entrance of the Lord. He's going to rapture his church out of here. Does that thrill your soul? Does that excite you? That you're going to get to see Jesus face to face, the one who suffered and bled and died on an old rugged cross for my sins and fears. That excites you. Boy, it ought to if you really know him. If not, are you certain there's ever been a time when you personalize the gospel? What is the gospel? Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and he rose again three days later, just like the Bible prophesied would happen. And he says if we'll put all of our faith, our hope, and our trust in him, will turn from our sins and trust Him to do what we can't do. He will adopt you into His family and transform your life. That's why this church exists today. If you've never done that, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. He is as close as the mention of His name. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Is God calling you to make an impact in this community? Really, that's... That's really a rhetorical question because the scripture's already told us that. If you're a child of God, he said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, when you're saved, you're going to have power that comes on you. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will be his witnesses. So if you're a child of God, we ought to have that desire to impact our community by making disciples. If not, one of two things is true. Either you don't know him or you're unsure of your relationship with him or you just don't care anymore. The circumstances of life have come in. Somebody's hurt you. Somebody's lied about you. Things didn't turn out the way you planned for them to turn out. For whatever reason, you've taken your eyes off the Lord and you've gotten bitter. I pray for God to take you back this morning. Take you back to that moment when you first received Jesus as the Lord of your life. If you're saved and you don't care about making an impact, I'm so glad the Word of God says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Ask God to give you a brand new start, to forgive you, to light a new fire in you because God's getting ready to do a new thing right here.